tonight on Huckabee. Ventriloquist Terry Fader. Actor David Payne. Statler brother Don Reed. And country duo Wilson Fairchild. Stray Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Monic Welcome, everybody. We are so glad to have you here as we are enjoying Thanksgiving week. Hey, Keith. Yes, sir. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, well, I'll tell you. I was just sitting there eating dinner. Healthy stuff, I hope. Uh, well, not exactly. Oh. You know, I miss the 90s when bread was still good for you and nobody knew what kale was. Yeah. Yeah. You ever, yeah. Now, just let me ask you, have you ever gotten up in the morning, look in the mirror and think, that can't be accurate. I, I do that all the time, Keith. I think it's the mirror. But you know what? It's still not enough to make me forego mashed potatoes for steamed kale. Yeah, you're Just not right. going to Good. do it. No. <laughs> well, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope all of you did. And uh, although I got to say that if you live in California, New York, Michigan, or Illinois, I guess you had to sit alone in an empty house having a Swanson TV dinner with turkey and dressing. <laughs> since you were threatened with arrest if you actually gathered with your family. Because if you saw your family, you might die. <laughs> of course, you were perfectly free to go to a casino, a strip club, host a riot, or loot and burn a business. That's fine. But... But you've been forbidden to go to church where you might sing or chant. The only exception is that if you are a lobbyist friend of California Governor Gavin Newsom, you're allowed to have a lunch that costs about $700 a person and no mask is needed. Mm. Ah, my sentiments exactly. For a government official to close businesses and then order you to close your home to your own relatives is pretty extreme. Now granted, I'm sure some of you were delighted to be able to tell your relatives not to come to your house for Thanksgiving <laughs> due to orders of your governor. Uh, but for many of us, it's really none of the government's business how many people I have in my home and the purpose of our being together. Uh, I've decided that if a government official at the local, state, or federal level believes that he or she has the power to shut down my family Thanksgiving or my business, then the official doing that should forego his or her paycheck until I start getting mine again. How's that? Yeah. It's so easy for people who get paid by taxpayers and never miss a paycheck to take away your paycheck or mine. Shouldn't they have to live under the same circumstances that they imposed upon us? I think so. I mean, one thing is certain, like I said last week, there are plenty of turkeys this year, mostly in the form of elected officials, imposing strict demands for us peasants while ignoring the rules for themselves as they go out and eat, go maskless and into 
case of California lawmakers. Did you hear this? They headed to Hawaii after an eight-hour plane ride for a conference to learn stuff. All at taxpayer expense, of course. I mean, couldn't they just have had a Zoom call like our kids and grandkids have had to do since they closed their schools? That would have made sense. Well, look, you're probably sick of Turkey by now, and maybe you're sick of politics as well. So I've got great news. We can't eat your leftovers for you, but we can have a show that'll be pretty much devoid of politics, but richer in entertainment and fun than your Aunt Clemmy's pecan pie. Yeah. That's just what we have tonight, and you're going to love our special guest for the show. So hang up the phone with your relatives, make yourself a cold turkey sandwich, and enjoy a special after Thanksgiving COVID-free night of information, inspiration, and entertainment on The Huckabee Show. Our first guest burst onto the national entertainment scene in 2007 when he won America's Got Talent. Now, since then, he's become one of the biggest stars in the history of Las Vegas with an 11-year run at his own theater at the Mirage Hotel and Casino. One of his co-stars got here a little early and has been roaming around backstage. Security just let him go wherever he felt like going because he's such a big star. Take a look. Terry Fader and Maynard. This is such a delight. Don't touch me. What? Uh, I, was, I, I don't like to be touched. I'm sorry. I noticed uh, that's really good. Uh, see, very bad. Don't touch me. Okay. Uh, being very responsible. You have a mask on for COVID. What's COVID? You don't, you're, you don't have this on for COVID? No. Why do you have it on? They told me this was an inquisitism show. I didn't want them to see my mouth move. Take this stupid thing off. Okay, no. <clears throat> so don't touch me. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, um, I, I just want you folks to know that this Maynard Tompkins, that's right, my name is Maynard Tompkins, and, and he told me before the show that he is the best Elvis impersonator in the entire world. That is correct. In the whole wide world, you could not find a better Elvis impersonator on the planet. Okay. Well, I'm very excited. So, uh, would you do it for us? Do what? Your, your Elvis impersonator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's what I'm here for. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Elvis. Elvis. Yes. Here it comes. Here it You gonna do it? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Just gotta get, get in the groove here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. 
Are you going to sing a song? Oh, I don't sing. I just say, Thank you. Thank you, Larry Lodge. You wait. You don't sing? Nope. Don't know any Elvis songs. I do know an Aaron Neville song. Aaron Neville song? What? I don't care about an Aaron Neville song. Could you guys play that here? What, what, are, you, what are you doing? Oh, holy night, the stars are bright. It is the night of the dear Savior's Thank you, thank you very much. Now, that is the dumbest thing. Don't you belittle my people. What? Your people? Yes, I am a proud mannequin American. <laughs> Maynard, are you gonna sing an Elvis? I don't know no Elvis songs. Well, then what are we gonna do? We got three more minutes. I, look, look, I got a solution. What is your solution? How about, and let me ask you this, Mr. Tranquilitist. <laughs> Could you sing like Elvis and not move your mouth? I suppose I could. Do it. <laughs> well, you want me to, that's gonna look weird. No, no, it won't look weird because while you sing, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go. <laughs> that's right, I'm gonna sing just like Mariah Carey does. Okay, that's a no, 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 no. We don't. So don't touch me. I'm sorry. Okay, so, <clears throat> so yeah, do you know some of this songs? Well, I don't, you know, I know some, you, wanted to, you just did Oh Holy Night. I know. Can we, can we do Christmas songs? Yeah. Let's say, well, do you want me to do Jingle Bells? Could you do it like Elvis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so you're going to move around? Yeah, here it comes, here it comes. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, it's fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, the fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. We'll wish you a Merry Christmas. We'll wish you a Merry Christmas. We'll wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Take the whole with bells and holly, tha la 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 la. Tis a season to be jolly, tha la 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 la. Dawn we now are gay up there, la 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 la. Wait, you forgot the words. Don't blame me, you're the inquilitist here. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, uh, I want to thank you very much. Uh, did it look good? Did he look like he was singing? Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, I told you, would you stop touching me? You touch me one more time, I'm going to go all Chucky on your butt. <laughs> Sorry. All right, well... <laughs> 
Well, that's uh, so. So we did some Elvis. Yes, and I sang my Aaron Neville specialty. Right, and and I've got to say that was very impressive. Thank you, thank you very much. So, give it up for Maynard, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. you ready? Let's do this. And we're going to be right back to talk to Terry Fader and Maynard. So don't go away. Next, Mike talks with Las Vegas ventriloquist Terry Fader. And later, the Statler brothers Don Reed joins us. More Huckabee is coming up. On tonight's Huckabee, actor David Payne and the Statler brothers Don Reed. Well, we're talking with a man who's been named best Las Vegas headliner by the Las Vegas Weekly three years in a row. Ventriloquist, impressionist, singer, comedian, Terry Fader. Terry, so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I've, I've been in your show in Vegas. It's one of the most incredible shows. Fun, family-friendly, until you brought me up on your stage and <laughs> utterly humiliated me. I did. I turned you into Cher. I, yeah, I you put did. a wig on you and a dress and everything. And it Please was a don't lot tell of these folks that. They'll, you can find they'll, it on YouTube probably. Unfortunately, just so you, know. you can. Yeah, that's the worst part. Now they're all going to go look for it. I, I'm going to ask Maynard something then. Um, anything. Just ask me anything, well, Mr. Huckabee. I, thank you. Maynard, who is your favorite artist? Myself. Yourself. Well, Yourself, that makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Do you have any plans to do, like, maybe an Elvis cover album, something like that? No, actually, um, the, the, on, the only thing that I plan on doing uh -huh. is just sitting here next to Terry. And you know what? Speaking of COVID, are we six feet away from you? Yes, we're, we're six yeah, feet away. Yeah, I think away. we are. We, yeah. yeah. What about you? No, I, I'm not. You, you, should, you should be wearing a glove. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good, That's point. a good point, indeed. We'll I don't just... like this. This is not, I, I'm very uncomfortable with uh, sitting this close to you. Well, we'll talk about, don't touch me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you know, Terry, I, I gotta be honest, when I'm watching you perform, and I've seen you on several occasions, and every time I forget that he's not really talking, you're doing it. And yeah, it, Terry I'm... does look very lifelike, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terry does look very lifelike. <laughs> Almost as, almost as lifelike as you, Maynard, but yes. not quite. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, I, the thing is that, that Elvis Presley, he, he had this sneer. If you look at my sneer, see? <laughs> there it is. That's the camera. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is permanent. My mom told me my face would stick this way if I kept doing it, and she was right. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there audiences that you particularly enjoy performing for? Yes, families. I love, yeah. I love, I'm, I'm a Christian as well. I, I accepted uh, Christ as my savior as a young boy and, and I, I've always kept this. I'm, I'm more proud of the fact that eight years running in Vegas, I had the best family friendly show on the strip than I am. I was named best in Vegas. I was named best show in Vegas, best impersonator. And that's my, my most proud thing is that I'm the best family friendly show. And isn't that a, a fantastic affirmation? That you didn't have to go and do things that would be offensive to families. No. And yet, you have been the most successful entertainer in Vegas year after year. Just signed a new 
what, 10-year contract or something like that? Just signed a new contract with, well, we're doing, we're, we just signed with New York, New York. So yeah. I'm moving from the Mirage to New York, New York, which is even better because it's more of a family-friendly environment mm -hmm. than, than uh, the Mirage was, which I love the Mirage. I was yeah. there for 11 years. And, uh, and we're doing, just because of COVID, we're doing a kind of a trial run to see how things go because we're not really sure how, how it's going to work. But I am going to be at New York, New York for a very long time. Well, I'm happy, and I hope, you know, people don't have to go and get into all kinds of uh, crazy stuff in Vegas. I found the Broadway shows that play in Vegas, quite frankly, are better than they are in New York because they tighten them up. You don't have an intermission. I agree. You get in, you get out, and it's just, it, it, the theaters are more comfortable, immensely yeah. more. And I think that some people may think, oh, I don't want to go to Vegas. It's not a good place for her family, but I find... There's some great, just family-friendly entertainment. There really Your is. show being at the top of it. My show, and I, um, Matt Franco uh, is is another guy that, uh, who won America's Got Talent. He's also in Vegas, and he's got a family-friendly show. There's just, you know, there's, there's, you have to look, but, but, well, you can sure find us. How hard is it? Because you do a whole range of voices from deep to almost uh, soprano. I'm amazed that all of that is coming out of one person. You know, I think sometimes the audience is probably like me. They're saying, oh, that's really good. He does. <laughs> then they stop and realize, you're doing all that stuff. It is funny because uh, whenever, uh, sometimes I'll stop in the show in Vegas and yeah. I'll sing a song by myself. And every single time at the end of the show, people come up to me and they'll say, I didn't know you could sing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, they thought and I think that's probably the best compliment I could ever be, be given to anyone because if they think the puppets, and here I did the yeah. whole America's Got Talent, you know, I won America's yeah. Got Talent with puppets. Uh, don't touch me. I wasn't going to touch you. So. Uh, but it, so the, every single puppet did impression of singer. And then I sing by myself and people go, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could sing. So it's a great compliment. Do you have a favorite of, of the characters that you do? Yeah, watch it, buddy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, other than actually, of course. well, of course, Maynard. Maynard, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. no, seriously though, Maynard is my my favorite to perform because I get to really go off script with Maynard. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, we'll talk later about that. <laughs> but uh, obviously, my number one favorite is Winston, the impersonating turtle, who won America's Got Talent. He's saying, "Crying." Uh, <laughs> can you do crying? Crying over you. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't either, <laughs> not until now. And you did it very well, Maynard. Thank you. Very well. <laughs> You got a you've got a great high voice. It's thank like, you, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> what's what's new in the show that you're going to be starting in Vegas now? One of the things that is I don't think I've ever seen another ventriloquist do this. I'm actually going to have puppets on video behind me, and I'm going to sing duets with myself. Wow! So now I can't obviously sing harmonies because uh -huh. that's physically impossible. But what I'll be doing is when they're singing solo behind me on the video screen, I'll be singing live for them. And then my, the puppet that I'm with will be doing a duet. So I'm going to be doing uh, uh, Willie Nelson and, uh, and also uh, Justin Bieber. Is can you give us a, a preview of Willie Nelson? You can you do that? Lately, I didn't hold you <laughs> quite as often as I should have. That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. It is an amazing talent. Terry, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Can't wait to get out and see the show because uh, I want to see the new one and we'll be doing that. And to learn more about Terry Fader's new show called Who's the Dummy Now? at the New York, New York Hotel in Las Vegas, please visit terryfader.com and be sure to follow at Terry Fader on social media. Next, actor David Payne and later Statler Brothers star Don Reed. Plus, country music duo Wilson Fairchild. More Huckabee is on the way.
Millions of people are hurting and in need all over the world as we go into the holiday season. And as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, I want to encourage you to reach out to Samaritan's Purse and give a gift from the blessings that you have received. I promise that your Christmas will be brighter this year for sharing some needed practical and medical items along with the love of Jesus to someone who truly is in need. And God bless you for caring. Well, David Payne was a contemporary Christian music executive from England when he landed his very first acting role, and it was right here in Nashville, playing the great author and theologian C.S. Lewis in the play Shadowlands. It led to a life-changing new career as a Lewis scholar and the creator and star of the one-man show, An Evening with C.S. Lewis, My Life's Journey. It's been seen now by over one million people. It is a real honor to welcome to the show, David Payne. <laughs> David, good to have you here. Thank you, nice to be here. I think the most remarkable part of your story is that you saw an ad that said, looking for someone to play C.S. Lewis, need a British accent. You'd never acted before. No, I hadn't. I'd never been on stage before. I was a 55 at the time. <laughs> and um, oh. as I say, it's the Shadowland story about C.S. Lewis and Joy. It was playing in Nashville, and they said auditions for Shadowlands, British accents are help. I thought, well, I've got a British accent. <laughs> no acting experience, no, just a British no, accent. No, but I'd had it a long time. So, <laughs> so I went along. I, I, I thought I might get a small part with my British accent, mm -hmm. and I won the lead role, C.S. Lewis. Fantastic. What is it about C.S. Lewis? Because I know that after you did the role, you became fascinated by his life mm -hmm. and his uh, message. And it became much more than just a role acting, but an actual scholarly uh, study on your part about him. Oh, I had to do a lot of study, especially for the show An Evening with C.S. Lewis. And um, I wanted to uh, show the man behind the books. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just an intriguing character, um, very humble he was. He was very generous. Not, not a lot of people know, but he gave most of his book royalties away. Did not know that. Yep, he did. And um, I think uh, the thing that I admire most was uh, something that Douglas Gresham, his stepson, said. He was the most thoroughly Christian man he'd ever met. Mm, great compliment. Mm -hmm. The book that he wrote, Mere Christianity, was one that was so powerful. It had a great impact on me as a college student. And then later, the book that he wrote, the Problem of Pain, mm -hmm. maybe one of the most single impactful books I mm -hmm. ever read mm -hmm. because it, it had to do with the, the difficulty of losing his wife and uh, the challenge of why do we hurt? If we're Christians, aren't we supposed to have everything wonderful and supposed yes. to be good for us? Yeah, Lewis wrote The Problem of Pain and, and, um, and in, in, actually he wrote it before Joy died. And the interesting thing was that when Joy did die, did die, he, he found himself thrown into all sorts of confusion. He found his faith even under attack. Mm. And he realised that there was one thing about writing in, in, as a theory as an, uh, without having fully experienced it, and then suddenly he's right in at the deep end and he has to fight through, and then he comes up and he realises that God has a purpose in everything. Mm. Well... Was there a particular part of C.S. Lewis's life that influenced you more than, than others? You know, when you play a character like Lewis 
and you spend a lot of time doing it as I do, you want to think you're doing, you're portraying a man who is worthy of being portrayed. Mm. And I think Lewis really was. I don't, I don't think there's, I can't think of too many other people that I would like to portray. And um, people ask me if I would do other things. And I do do other little things. But my answer to them is, look, I play C.S. Lewis. That's mm. my main role. You do this all over the country. Are you surprised at the reactions of audience members, some of whom may know the Chronicles of Narnia, but they may not understand what a Christian scholar he was and the impact that he's had? Uh, I think that's true. I think people come along, hopefully, to my show, and they find out a lot about Lewis, um, about his Christian faith, but it's not a Christian play, per se. It's about a man who wrote books and became famous about writing books. And I have a lot of people say to me after the show, they'll say, do you know what? I'm going to go and read C.S. Lewis. Mm. What a great compliment. Mm -hmm. You're going to perform uh, a scene from uh, the C.S. Lewis portrayal. Tell us a little about what we're going to see. Well, the, the play is set at, in his home and he's entertaining a group of American writers who have come to see him and they want to hear a little bit about his life. And the scene you're going to see uh, tonight, uh, if I can remember it, of course, <laughs> <laughs> the scene you're going to see tonight is the opening scene. Well, we're excited to have you here, excited to have C.S. Lewis with us <laughs> uh, in that role. And while David Payne prepares to perform, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us how we can learn more about David and the C.S. Lewis portrayal all over the country. Well, Governor, you can learn all about David Payne's plays and find showtimes and tickets to upcoming performances at his website, birdandbabyproductions.com. And now, performing a scene from an evening with C.S. Lewis, My Life's Journey. Here is David Payne. Good evening. My main name is C.S. Lewis, but... Uh, do feel free to call me Jack. Most of my friends do. And welcome to my home. <laughs> I hope you're not too squashed in. British houses are not as big as their American counterparts, I'm told. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking exactly what the poet T.S. Eliot said to me when he first met me. Mr. Lewis, you appear much older than your published photographs would lead me to believe. One felt like replying, Mr. Elliot, you appear more lucid than your published poems would lead me to believe. <laughs> well, uh, I want you to know that it's a, it's a delight to have you here. Um, uh, it's, I understand many of you, are, all of you are from America. And um, I have to say, without my... American readers, I think my success as an author would be somewhat diminished. <laughs> what do they say? An author is not without honour save in his own country. Or is that a prophet? Well, either way, there's truth in it. <laughs> it reminds me of a little ditty I once heard. I think I can remember it. An author from Merrow was a very odd fellow. He only could write in a tub. With waterproof ink and a steaming hot drink, he would write till he needed some grub. When he bathed in red wine, he wrote words of rhyme and sent them to ladies of fame. 
But these ladies of note forgot what he wrote and couldn't remember his name. When he bathed in cow's milk, his words were like silk, and he sent them to men of the cloth. But these gossamer notes were fed to the goats, and they all developed a cough. When he bathed in pea soup, his words were astute, and he sent them to those of sharp wit. But these words for the wise were quickly despised, being seen as the work of a twit. One day in his tub he started to blub, for all of his writings were spurned. His friends even said, your writings we dread. T'would be best if they all were burned. So this author in vain then boarded a plane and flew to a land far away. But in this new land, his writings seemed grand. Thank God for the US of A. <laughs> now your leader told me that you were here and you want to hear you want to hear a little bit about my life and a little bit about my writing. So uh, uh, where should we start? Well, if you don't mind, uh, I'll start where every self-respecting Englishman, half Irishman would start with a cup of tea. My health has not been too good recently and I, I find that tea helps to keep me going. So if you don't mind, I'm going to indulge while I speak to you. <laughs> you Americans drink iced tea, don't you? Hmm. How strange. <laughs> Why would you put perfectly good tea in ice cold water? Still, I suppose that dates back to your first big tea party, doesn't it? <laughs> now, your leader asked me to answer some questions I very often get asked. One question I am asked a lot is, why did I write the Narnia Chronicles? And, and even though I tell people why I did write them, some people still assume that I... I was looking for a method by which I could say something about Christianity to children. And I decided that the best method would be a fairy tale. And then I created allegories to embody basic Christian truth. All poppycock, of course. I couldn't write it that way even if I wanted to. Oh, no. <laughs> Narnia all began with images. A fawn with an umbrella, a lamppost, Queen with a sledge, a magnificent lion, who, by the way, I first met in a nightmare. And I saw my job as simply linking these images together into a story, and one that had neither, neither a love interest or any deep psychology. And as far as I'm concerned, the method that does not contain those two elements is, by definition, a fairy tale. But simply, I wrote fairy tales because the fairy tale was the ideal form for what I wanted to say. And, it, and initially, there wasn't a Christian aspect. That inserted itself later without any help from me. And of course, as we all know, God works in mysterious ways. Hmm.
Coming up, Mike's In Case You Missed It news stories. And later, the Statler Brothers member, Don Reed. More Huckabee is on the way. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Well, I have launched a new podcast. It's called The People's Podcast, available exclusively on Quake Media. Now, if you've not already subscribed, I hope you'll sign up today at QuakeMedia.com. Well, from million-dollar pigeons to a real whale of a tail, we've got the news that'll have you stuffed with laughter on In Case You Missed It. Well, if you think American politicians would do anything for votes, well, you'd be right. Yeah, they would. But they've got nothing on a lawmaker in Sri Lanka after a coronavirus outbreak was traced to a fish market there, the nation's fishing industry took a big dive. It was floundering. Oh! See what I did there, Keith? Floundering. Got that one? Oh, I yeah. like that. I mean, in fact, fishermen were carping. They were. Carping! And in fact, they had no net profits. None. Ah. So to prove to people that it was perfectly safe to eat fish, this lawmaker held a televised news conference. He pulled out a whole raw fish and took a bite out of it. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh. You know, it would have been perfectly safe to cook it first, but he did prove that fish is safe and that there are worse things to eat than leftover turkey hash. Look, I'm just glad that Arkansas never had a slump in the pork industry when I was governor. Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you something. You take a bite out of a live hog, those things will bite back, won't That's they? Right. You, you grew up in Tennessee. You know right. how that I know works. about hogs, yeah. They'll bite you. Well, with overreacting governors issuing these draconian restrictions on gatherings, the pandemic might have made your Thanksgiving dinner a turkey in more ways than one. But the good news is experts report that it was at least cheaper than it was last year. See, grocers cut costs to spur sales. So the American Farm Bureau Federation reports that a dinner of turkey, stuffing, sweet potatoes, and all the trimmings cost 4% less than it did last year. And it also took five times longer to eat it. <laughs> what with taking your mask off and back on between bites. The estimated cost, $46.90 for Thanksgiving dinner for 10 guests. But if you had 11 guests, add $1,000 for the fines and legal fees in yeah. New York, Oregon, and California. Got to do it. But it was still cheaper than last year in those areas. I, I, I don't think I told you this. I was in the supermarket right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I was over the meat section. And, you know, of course, they had all the frozen turkeys, you know. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a lady combing through. She, obviously, she had a big family. And, and she asked one of the stock boys, she said, uh, do these get any bigger? And, and he said, no, ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> did that? Yeah. That really happened. That really happened? Yeah, I, be, I bet it did in your neighborhood. I, I believe yeah. that happened. Well, hey, check out this dog story from the Czech Republic oh, where that. a man got tired of the 9 p.m. curfew that was imposed for the coronavirus. So he tried to take advantage. There was an exception for walking your dog. Police saw him in a public area after 9 and noticed that what was attached to the leash was a stuffed toy dog. 
Yeah. He was taking that stuffed dog out for a drag. <laughs> I just hope he had a pooper scooper to pick up all the cotton balls that it was dropping. Uh, even worse, the stuffed dog wasn't even wearing a mask. No. No. Police let the man off with a warning after he claimed it was just an artistic, practical joke. I think he should have told the cops that he was out protesting them. Because when you do that, no quarantine laws ever apply, do they? <laughs> there you go. You get away with anything if you tell them you're protesting. That's, That's all right. Uh, hey, you've heard of Saved by the Bell? Well, some train passengers in the Netherlands were saved by the whale's tail. It gives new meaning to the term the Flying Dutchman. An elevated train ran past the end of its rails, which is bad enough, and it would have plummeted 30 feet to the concrete below. But it was caught in midair and held aloft by a giant statue of a whale's tail oh, sticking up out of the ground. The statue was named, and I'm not kidding, saved by the whale's tail. Wow. Say that fast five times. No, I can't, because <laughs> I might lose the show if I did that. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. Whoever made that wasn't much of an artist, but he sure was a whale of a psychic. Oh. Huh? Drum roll, please. Yeah, come on. Thank you. <laughs> Amazingly, nobody was injured, although some of the passengers were blubbering. Uh, See what I did there? Blubber. Yeah, yeah. Clever. Whale, blubber. I... Anyway, I bet Oil they're the, the first tail. taxpayers who are happy to get their tax money spent on some very bad public art, don't you think? I bet. Yeah. yeah. That's, man, that's, that's, that's a god. What do you bet they had to hose out that train car? <laughs> I wasn't going there, but oh, I'm glad I, you did. I'm just throwing I it out there, because I'm thinking if this thing is about to plunge 30 feet and they finally mm. get stopped by this crazy piece of art, they got yeah. some issues oh, in that yeah. train. Yeah, yeah. I would All right. I know you'll be happy to hear this word. Finally. Okay. How's that? Yeah, the favorite word. I'm enjoying you it. Keep oh, good. Going, yeah. Good. Well, finally, from our Hair to Eternity file, Hanson's auctioneers recently offered an unusual celebrity item. It's a few strands of Elvis Presley's hair. Preserve these many years in good old Brill Cream, which you remember. I oh, sure. I used Brill Cream. Little dab of doogie. Did you know who never heard of it? Trey. Who? Never well, heard of, of Brill Cream. Not. No, I have not. Never heard of it. Real cream, a little, little dab of do you. Yep. See, we remember Real that. Cream, you Didn't use it. Didn't. Anyway, <laughs> the estimated sale price was between five and eight thousand dollars for a few strands of Elvis's Ooh. hair. Lifelong Elvis fan Tom Unwin brought bought the hair ten years ago from Elvis's barber, a guy named Mr. Gill of Memphis, who really cleaned up when he swept the barber shop floor that day. Now. I might pay $8,000 to have Elvis's hair, but not for a few strands. For that kind of money, I mean, I actually want Elvis's mm -hmm. hair. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Then it'd be different. It'd be like the hair club for men. Then it might be worth it. Well, just like a fish in Sri Lanka, we got to slip on out of here. But always remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Next, the Statler Brothers member Don Reed and traditional country music duo Wilson Fairchild. Stay with Huckabee. Join Huckabee for the holiday season. Our lineup of special guests includes Ronnie Millsap, Matthew McConaughey, Shonda Pierce, and more. Spend the holidays with Huckabee. All right, let's give a big hand to Trey Corley and the Music City Connection for the great music tonight. Thank you guys very much.
1955, which by the way was a great year to be born. I know somebody was born that year. Anyway, in 1955, the Statler brothers formed a vocal quartet. For clarification, out of the four members, only two of them were actually brothers, Harold and Don Reed. They were joined alongside Phil Balsley and Lou DeWitt. For further clarification, the group never had a member named Statler. They actually got their stage name, get this, from a box of tissue paper in a hotel room. True story. The Statler brothers had hit songs like Do You Know You're My Sunshine, Elizabeth, My Only Love, and Flowers on the Wall. Many, many others, making the Statler brothers Grammy Award winners and members of both the Gospel and the Country Music Hall of Fame. The Music of the Statler Brothers, an anthology, is a book that is filled with 40 years of Statler Brothers stories. Here to tell us about it, founding member Don Reed. Give him a big welcome. Uh, thank you. Don, thank you, so honored to have you here. I'm tickled to be here. I read every page of this book this summer. It was so fascinating. I love music biographies anyway. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, when I thought, okay, I'm going to read the anthology of all the songs of the Statler Brothers, over 250 songs, I thought, this is going to get tedious. <laughs> I honestly good. could not put the book down. It was so fascinating. Good. Loved it. And I learned so much about the Statlers, including that there were no Statler brothers exactly. per se. We don't even know anybody named Statler. Never have. <laughs> but everybody thought you were named Statler, Oh, didn't yeah. They? At yeah. first, they, they did. And, uh, you know, the book was, uh, was started because I wanted to tell stories about the songs. And that's what it's all about. I, I get into yeah. how they, they were arranged, how we wrote them, because we wrote most of all of our material. And it was just a, it was a fascinating little job to take on, but I had a great time doing it. It took a couple of years. And you wrote stuff for Johnny Cash. You, you, how long did you tour with Johnny Cash? We were discovered by John, and we were with him for eight and a half years, wow. from 64 into 72. So we were part of his show, part of his television show, and his, uh, recorded with him, did all of his records with him. So that was a great boost to us. You know, Without Johnny Cash, there would have been no Statler Brothers. Well, we're glad that he saw in you guys something that the rest of the country saw once you were introduced to us. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Statler Brothers song? You've got hundreds, so do you have a favorite? Oh, I, I, like, I like them all because they're all like children, you know, you like yeah. them. But some you like better than others, you know, if you've got a lot of kids. But, uh, <laughs> and I don't, so. Do you want to tell us which of your children is your favorite? No, you I don't want to do that okay. yet. All right. Well, Maybe next trip. Next trip we'll do that. But uh, let me say I'll go to my grave loving you <laughs> is a favorite yeah. of mine. And that was a big hit. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I loved about the book, you told the backstory of how the songs came to be. Mm -hmm. And there were so many of them that uh, I would never have imagined. One of my favorites, and I remember this when I was just a kid growing up, and uh, Flowers on the Wall, one of the big hits. I, I guess, you know, a huge smash hit for you guys. Our then first. it got resurrected in 1996 when Quentin Tarantino put it in the movie Pulp Fiction. Exactly, yeah. That must have done some cha-ching on the royalties. Oh, it did. It was. It sold again. It was a million seller again for the second time. <laughs> and uh, we didn't. We signed off to be in the movie, but we weren't even sure what the movie was or what it was about when we did. And it was a little bit of a shocker. When yeah, it came. I can see that it would be. Yeah, <laughs> but it was interesting, and it worked out. Yeah. One of the things I have admired about you guys is that you have 
lived in Staunton, Virginia. Mm. You, you didn't go to Hollywood. You, maybe you went and did shows there and you went right. to Nashville and did stuff to perform and to record. But you've always lived in your same neighborhood, went to the same church, exactly. hang out with the same friends. Do you think that kind of gave the Statler brothers a grounding and a sense of permanency? It did. We wrote so much about memories. We wrote about nostalgia and looking back. And we had that town that we grew up in that we were still living in to refresh those memories every day. Yeah. Because, you know, we would walk down, we would go to the same theater we went to as kids. We'd walk down the same streets and the same school. Our old school then became our offices. We bought the schoolhouse and <laughs> that's where our headquarters were. So it was all tied into small town USA and it was just wonderful. Every July the 4th, you guys did a big thing yep. out in Staunton, Virginia. It took tens of thousands of people would come to this uh, big event yeah. and celebrate uh, our country, but celebrate the Statler brothers and your profound influence on them. And, you know, I know you're probably not going to talk about it, but you guys were so charitable and generous to your community. They got to love you. You could be mayor if you wanted to be. Well, I don't want to be. You're so a smart that's, guy. Uh... <laughs> you're a smart guy. Yeah, you are. But, it, yeah, it was. But it was a flag-waving time. I mean, we did that. It was a time when you could be patriotic without being political. Yeah. And I miss that. I do, I too. miss that so much. I miss it. Yeah. I think we all do. One yeah. thing we don't have to miss is the great music of the Statlers. It's, it's forever. And this book, I hope our audience will get one. If you've loved the Statler Brothers, and if you don't, there's something really sick about you. But if you have, it's in written form. And also, for those of you that just don't like to read or your eyes don't work as well, it's all in audio as well. And I think it's just something extraordinary. And I'm reading the audio, and that was harder work than writing a book. I, I can believe that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a long book, but it's a great book. Yeah. Well, uh, by the way, Don has a son, and the late Harold Reed, his brother, also had sons. They have formed a band, Wilson Fairchild. It's the middle name of Langdon and Will. It's a pretty cool uh, band, and they're here tonight. They're going to perform in order to honor the Statler Brothers' music with a song. I think they can do it. Oh. I mean, Will and Langdon, who comprise the duo, sons of Don and Harold Reed. But first, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell the folks at home how they can get their own copy, like I've got, called The Music of the Statler Brothers, an anthology by Don Reed. Well, just go to thestatlerbrothers.com to get your copy of Don Reed's The Music of the Statler Brothers, an anthology. You can even get your copy autographed by Don Reed. It makes a great Christmas gift. Coming up, country music's Wilson Fairchild performed the Statler Brothers song on Huckabee. In a moment, Wilson Fairchild's going to perform a tribute song to honor their father's music, the Statler Brothers. Now, you can find out more about the ambassadors of traditional country music at wilsonfairchild.com. And after the show, go to huckabee.tv for an online exclusive song by Wilson Fairchild. By the way, this is their album, and uh, it's called Songs Our Dads Wrote. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Governor on Bass is Wilson Fairchild. You've been called America's poet 
who started out as a gospel quartet you're entertained on and off of the record but your records will never forget you sold out shows to millions sang your part in four matching suits accepted your awards and always thank the lord the tuxedos and patent leather boots yeah so carry me back to virginia and let us hear how great thou art again if you ever hear the stage calling we'll even love you better than we Shirley Jean Morrell and Elizabeth. A bit of roses makes me in land of blue. And thank you, world, for giving us the Stadlers. Cause we'll go to our grave loving you. And childhood heroes years ago And then you met all of your heroes And had them on your television show But you never forgot where you came from Or got lost in the fortune and fame From flowers on the wall to the last curtain call Country music will never be the same So carry me back to Virginia Let us hear how great thou art again And if you ever hear the stage a-calling We'll even love you better than we did then We loved Susan when she tried and the bed of roses makes me a land of blue And thank you world for giving us the Stadlers Cause we'll grow to our great love in you America salutes the Stadlers 